It is time for the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Jones here alongside Jose Soto as we break down the Big 12 Conference and tell you everything you need to know uh, about the league at uh, this point in time. And I got to tell you, uh, we begin our Big 12 Breakdown each week with kind of our hot takes around the league. And before we kind of get too hot takey for a minute here, I think just looking back at this past week, there was a lot to you know, digest here. I mean, you have West Virginia getting by Baylor. And I've been on this train for since week one that I think West Virginia is going to fire Neil Brown any week. And he somehow keeps finding a way to survive and a big upset win against Baylor. And then you have Oklahoma make a resurgence with a really great offensive performance. Dylan Gabriel played it. Played a really good game. Kansas, you know, they held their own. Nothing to be disappointed about. But, I mean, defense was a lot left to be desired for both squads here. I think you're feeling pretty concerned there. Texas wasn't their best game. Found a way to win against Iowa State. I don't think that's the end of the world for Texas to find a way to win on their bad day. And then TCU and Oklahoma State play one of the best games all year, and OSU just collapses. And, uh... TCU ultimately gets the job done. So with all that, Jose, before we even talk about this week and what's going on ahead, last week was was a lot to just consume, a lot to digest here. I mean, what was what was your big takeaway from from everything that happened last week in the Big 12? You know, uh, just a couple of thoughts. Um, Texas, you know, just barely escaping the upset with Iowa State. You know, I don't. I, I'm not sure exactly what went differently this past weekend for Texas, considering they blew out my Sooners. Like, you know, gave them a donut. They laid a donut for them, and 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 so, you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Ewers looked phenomenal against OU, and and you know, I didn't really watch a lot of the Iowa State Texas game, but you know, you would only assume that it's Iowa State like three and three and four, like three and three at the time. And, you know, winless in the conference that you would think yours and Texas would just blow them out easily. But it's very intriguing. I mean, I think that was probably one of my interesting like takes of this past weekend. TCU OSU game. That was a great game. You know, it could have gone either way towards the end, but unfortunately for, you know, the Cowboys, like they started up hot. They should have, they should have just kept the, the gas, you know, just the foot on the pedal, you know, and just kept going, but they turned conservative towards the end of the game and costed them. Yeah. And uh, my hot take for the week, uh, I'll say this, and, you know, you can call this overreaction Monday if you want, whatever it may be. But I've been telling you for the last couple of weeks on this show, and we talked about it with, with Luke Slaybaugh and, and, and others was, that every year with Oklahoma State, you get that one letdown game right at the very least. And in particular, the last couple of years, it's been the bad Spencer Sanders game. And then you hope that in that bad Spencer Sanders game, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that everybody else kind of puts it together and does enough to win despite Spencer Sanders, you know, struggling. Well, what did we see last week in that lost to TCU. I mean, the offense scored 40 points. Spencer Sanders, you know, had three touchdowns. 
I mean, it wasn't his best effort, but this wasn't a game where he was necessarily a turnover machine of some sorts. I mean, this was a B minus C plus game. It wasn't the D F game like we saw against Baylor in the big 12 title game last year. So I say all this to say my hot take this week, um, Oklahoma state will not win the big 12. They will not. I feel like there is still another letdown game or two that's ahead of them. If you lost this now, then whether it's, the Texas this upcoming week, or whether it's, you know, down the line when they play a Kansas or even an Oklahoma who's found some new life or something like that, uh, or even getting to the Big 12 title game again. I mean, something tells me, Jose, that we're not in for the last letdown from Oklahoma State here. That was a game they had every reason they should have won and let that one go. If you're going to let that one go, you can't finish that game. I, I I don't have reason to trust you that you're going to do what it takes to win the league if you're going to l- let games like that go by. Yeah, no, they they. it's always like this, you know, everyone's hyped, you know, they, they get on a good start. And then, you know, when the pressure's on, you know, the biggest games, you know, this is a top, you know, OSU was like, what, eighth, I believe, or so, and TCU coming in was like 14, 15, somewhere around there. But, you know, they're both top of the Big 12, and it's like this is where the spotlight's on you. It's your time to shine and, you know, kind of make a statement in the Big 12. And, unfortunately, you know, it didn't swing their way. But they have Texas this weekend, so it's kind of a redemption. You know, they beat Texas in Austin last season. Can they beat them in Stillwater? Yeah. We'll see. And that's a good place to kind of start our, our look around the games this week. Um, you look at Texas and Texas played, so, you know, they're, they're a different team when they have Quinn Ewers at quarterback. We've seen that this year. Um, only one loss in conference play, that being the Texas Tech. Back-to-back, you know, performances here, you know, wins against Oklahoma and and uh, what they're able to get against Iowa State here. You know, Texas has got some real momentum. Oklahoma State coming off a loss. Um, both of them with one loss in conference play. Who does this – who's this game more important for, Jose? I would lean towards Oklahoma State, that it's more important for them because their measure of success, I think, is 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 higher than – than Texas is. If Texas wins nine or ten games this year, I think everybody's happy and they have some forward momentum, you know, heading into next year. Oklahoma State, the truth of the matter is, with OU down, it's Big 12 title or bust with this team. And so for me, I, I would say because of where expectations are, I would think this game's more important for Oklahoma State than it is Texas. What say you, though? I would say Texas, just because, you know, they they have these classes coming in. You got Manning, you know, coming here soon. You, you know, this is yours time. You know, your losses, you know, you lost to Alabama, which a lot of people feel like, you know, they, they could have beaten Alabama had had yours. And then they had the upset with Texas Tech. So I think, you know, for Texas, if they try to win out, I think it it's more – Important for them to try to do that, especially for Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian, you know, to not be on the uh, hot seat. I think, you know, with all this talent, they still have pressure to perform. 
So if they lose OSU and, you know, have like a three loss season and end up somehow in like the cotton bowl, I think that would be good for them. But if they end up anything less than that and just some random bowl game, I think that's a failure. I think for OSU, you know, they, they typically make it to a cotton bowl and, you know, if they don't make it there, then it's like, okay, you know, no worries. There's next season. Right. There's no big expectations of like national championships like Texas has every year. Right. Yeah. It's not a bad take at all. Um, I mean, I, I disagree, but you know, I mean, doesn't make it a bad take. I, I see exactly what you mean there uh, on that front. Jose. But that said, um, I've gone back and forth on this game. I think that the margin, you know, Texas being a, you know, six, six and a half point favorite. I think that's way too high. Uh, I like Oklahoma State at home in this game, but I don't feel very confident in that. To me, th- this feels like a coin flip game, Jose. Yeah, I'm with you on that with OSU. Um, you know, that that's – yeah, that's a big cover to cover for, you know, two teams, especially after Texas, you know, almost blew with Iowa State. So, I'm just going to go with the home team. OSU, you know, they usually have a good home crowd base, home fan base, and it's homecoming. So the energy is going to be there and, you know, they want to make up for the loss they just had this past week in that big showdown with TCU. So I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys on this one. Speaking of TCU, uh, this week they take on K-State and uh, the Horned Frogs are favored at home. Going to be a night game there in Fort Worth. Um, Here's the deal. K-State, you know, they have played way above their talent level. I mean – they're five and one right now, and their one loss to Tulane doesn't even look that bad anymore. Tulane's the top twenty-five team, um, but when you get past Deuce Vaughn, there's there's a talent gap with that that K State team. In all honesty, and Adrian Martinez played the game of his life against OU, and like he's not come close to playing to that level that he was against OU. TCU, I think, is just a lot better team than K-State is. Uh, should be a good game, but TCU, they keep it rolling here. I mean, they go to 7-0 and at this point, and you've already beaten Oklahoma. You've already beaten Oklahoma State. Um, watch out. I mean, if TCU pulls this off, uh, you know, their third, you know, top 25 win in a row here, Jose, then – it's time to talk about TCU not just as a Big 12 threat, but realistically as a college football playoff contender. Yeah, I, I, you know, TCU wins this game. Definitely, you got to start putting them in, you know, contention with that that playoff. But I don't know. I, I, I saw I saw K-State versus at OU, and, man, like, Martinez just kind of, you know, brings that offense to life. You know, he, he kind of reminded me a little bit of um, that K-State quarterback a few years back, uh, Colin Klein. Yeah. And, you know, the way that he would run the, the ball and, you know, pass it. You know, he didn't he didn't pass it a lot, but, man, could he run. Like, he was just on a man on a mission. And their whole running game was just, you know, amazing that night. And and so I feel like the run game is is their way to to push through TCU. I think I think they get the running game started early, and they're you know they're just going to take off from there, man. I think K State is going to take this one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're going with the Cats. I'll go with the Horn Frog. Should be a good yeah. game. Yeah. West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, I think Texas Tech wins, but 
This week, I'm not predicting Neil Brown to get fired, which probably means he will get fired then. <laughs> face up long, that um, I think Neil Brown bought himself some time last week beating Baylor, at least a couple weeks anyway. I don't think there's any way he's back next year. But Texas Tech, 3-3, three and three, new head coach in Joe McGuire this year. I know that they've had you know a lot of injuries and some things they've played through, but Nonetheless, uh, I like what I've seen from Texas Tech as far as building for their future goes. That Texas win was big. Um, You you talk about, you know, programs and their coaches here. I'm For Tech, I'm excited about what McGuire is doing with that program. For West Virginia, I mean, they're counting down the days until they can get rid of Neil Brown at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with the Texas Tech. You know, the the air raid's going to – going to go flying this weekend for sure against West Virginia so I agree with you I'm, I'm liking the, you know what Texas Tech has to bring you know they're not just gonna take it you know take a beat down they're gonna put up a fight every week but you know in this case West Virginia I mean I gotta I gotta pick Texas Tech Kansas taking on Baylor in the game that I will not get to watch uh <laughs> at this wedding uh that I'll have to sneak on my phone of some sorts but uh I'll be there in spirit in Waco this Saturday. Um, For Kansas, you're just hoping to find that sixth win, whether it's this weekend, whether it's against Tech, Oklahoma State, whatever it may be. Find the sixth win. That's the number one goal to get bowl eligible right now. That's your number one job. I think they'll do it. It's going to be tough. This next half of the schedule for Kansas is a lot tougher than the first half was. I think they'll do it, but they're in for a gauntlet here the next few weeks. Baylor's going to be, you know, a very tough team to beat here. But the the thing that I think makes this interesting on all fronts is with Shapin, the Baylor quarterback getting hurt last week. Um, and then we already know about Jalen Daniels being out for Kansas. Um, and uh, Jason Bean got to start last week. And Bean played all right. He didn't play great, but he made some plays from time to time here. Um this comes down to coaching, preparation. What team is going to have their better their backup quarterback uh, better prepared for this game? And uh, I think, you know, Bean's already had a start under his belt, uh, comparatively speaking to what, what Baylor's going with here. Might be an advantage for KU in this game uh, that they've already kind of been through getting the backup quarterback ready before for this start here. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with Baylor on this. You know, I, I just feel like um, you know, if if KU had Jalen Daniels, easy pick, KU, let's go. You know, get your get your uh bowl legibility in. But man, I think I, I feel like your next win may not be until Texas Tech. And if I'm not mistaken, KU's got like the the number one ranked hardest schedule and FBS right now, like, remaining. So, you know, that's tough, man. Like, it, it's it's unfortunate. I know, you know, it's in Jared Jayhawk, and you guys started off the season hot, and then to kind of end up like this, you know, I, I hope you guys get that win. But I think Baylor, you know, considering they just came off a Big 12 championship last season, it's hard to pick them, yeah. not not pick them, you know. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, it's a great point there, uh, Jose. Uh, but should be a fun week uh, in the Big 12 here. Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to be joined by Jonathan Hutton, get his 
uh, insights uh, on uh, what's going on in uh, college football and more uh, of uh, outkick.com and outkick 360. Great conversation with Hutton coming up in uh, just a moment. We will bring you that on the other side. Stay with us. Joining us now, the Jones Sport this week. Pleased to bring back Jonathan Hutton, the co-host of Outkick 360, also with Outkick.com, and we're glad to have him here. Jonathan, so much to talk about as uh, we're in such a busy time of year, especially at Outkick, too, between the NFL and college football, <laughs> midterms a couple weeks away, too. I mean, uh, certainly a lot going on here. It is great to be back with you, Tyler. The Jones Report was a lot of fun. Uh, when would you do, we did what? Was in the spring when yeah, whenever was I was before, on before before the NCAA tournament is in March. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I yeah, I met you in Nashville and then we linked up here. Uh, great to be back and yeah, uh, a busy time of year. I prefer football season over any season though. I love it. College, pro, uh, you name it. It's 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 always good on the weekends. Oh, no question, no doubt about that. Uh, Hutton, I want, want to start off with uh, with the uh, Tennessee Vols. There, you were in. Knoxville over the weekend for the best game of the college football season so far with Tennessee getting that win over Alabama set the scene for me what was it like seeing that firsthand and the the atmosphere and everything of of just an incredible football game and and a huge upset too it it was awesome I mean like everyone would expect it to be um it there was a build-up to this because Tennessee going into the season the discussion about the Vols were, okay, if they beat Pittsburgh or Florida, then what? It was one or the other. Like, that was the scenario because we saw last year, seven-win team, how good could they be? And and then they beat both. Then they went on the road and won at LSU. And then all of a sudden, it was unbeaten versus unbeaten. And you felt like, based on last year and the start of this year, we saw the Texas matchup for Alabama – and then going back to last year, multiple uh, matchups where they were on the brink. They're good enough to overcome it. Maybe not every single time, like we saw in College Station. Uh, and we, Outkick was there for that one, too. Point being, the buildup was Tennessee may have a chance here if they can get one or two extra stops than what they did a year ago. A year ago in Tuscaloosa, it was a seven-point game fourth quarter. And Tennessee went for it on fourth down at midfield, didn't get it. Bryce Young got the football back, went down and scored. Two-possession game, game over at that point. This one, Tennessee built a quick lead. They led by 18 at halftime. And you're looking around going, man, this this may happen. This may happen. But the game ended up – so it was the game of the week, as you mentioned. It turned into the game of the year because of two players, Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young. Bryce Young was phenomenal in that game and the atmosphere, the electricity, the, the fact that Tennessee had been waiting 15 years to bring out the cigars. It was, it was phenomenal. And it's what makes college football great. Well, one of the things that, that I look at Hutton is that Tennessee in this game answered every question possible. They didn't take on an Alabama team that didn't have Bryce Young. Bryce Young still played well, close game and everything down the stretch here. I mean, this was a, a statement win for the rest of the country that, that Tennessee's back. Well, and it's a, a statement for Hendon Hooker, too. Let's also stress this on the pod. Um, Hendon Hooker, is ben- he benefits by Bryce Young not just playing but playing well. Because if Milrow plays another week 
the excuse is if you're looking for a Heisman vote, the excuse would be, and I don't have one, it would be, oh, well, um, Milrow played that week. You know, Bryce Young's going to win that game head to head. And now they're, that's out the window. You've got Bryce Young's best game we've seen him play statistically. And that also shows you how good Bama is. They can overcome the, the muff punt, which was egregious, 17 penalties. They're down 18 at halftime. And it took a mixed, uh, a missed 49-yard field goal from a kicker whose career long was 51. And then this monstrosity of a field goal by Tennessee from 45 that was good somehow. And that's how the game ended, 52-49. That's what made it really cool is you had the uh, both teams played well, even though Bama continues to stub its toe. You're right, though. Tennessee took on all the hype. They don't. They didn't feel the pressure in that game. They didn't have the the awful turnover or the too big for the moment aspect that Bama brings into the the, the stadium. It was it would you know John Ward, the legendary broadcaster for the Balls, whenever uh, the, they beat Florida, it was pandemonium reigns and pandemonium returned at Neyland Stadium this this past week when when finally. Tennessee was able to get over the hump and they did it in in their fashion. They're very consistent offensively and defensively. They're just a little bit better. They're not faster. They're just a little bit better. And that's allowing their offense to put up a, a couple, a couple possession lead. And then you've really got to fight into the flow and the rhythm of the game. There's still a possibility now that Tennessee's got this win Hutton, it's not a reach to say the SEC could send not two, but even three teams to playoff if maybe a situation where uh, Georgia beats Tennessee, Alabama uh, wins out, wins the SEC. I mean, you got three realistic threats right now. Yeah. I mean, and Ole Miss now has a chance to prove it. I'm not on board the lane train. I love Lane Kiffin. I'm not on board the lane train aspect yet. My guess is when they, if they beat LSU this week, I will be, um, because they're also unbeaten. So let, let's hypothetically say that Bama beats Ole Miss, and they're also with one loss, but they go through the gauntlet, and they're like Tennessee in your scenario, and you have two one-loss teams in the SEC, one from the East, one from the West, one lost to Bama, the other beat Bama, but lost to Georgia, who Bama would beat in Atlanta. Craziness, right? Um, and I also wonder this, because uh, we've discussed this scenario at the tailgates last weekend. W- the college football playoff committee and ESPN, they catch a lot of heat for being in bed with the Southeastern Conference. And I wonder what would happen based on the last two years of scrutiny, not from you or I, but we've heard it uh, with conference realignment. What would happen if they actually put three SEC teams in over a um, either Michigan and Ohio State or a TCU team or a, a USC team that lost but goes on this winning streak and it's not about how how you win not not if you win but how you win right like win a one loss Oklahoma State even yeah yeah like if you left the the second team out in this scenario and put a third. SEC team in. I wonder what the reaction would be like nationally here. I mean, in the hotbed, uh, in, in the, the the southeastern part of the United States, everyone's for it. We should mention Clemson in there too, right? Like 
uh, Syracuse, while they remain unbeaten, let's throw them in the mix. Sure. It could be crazy. And um, I'm all for it. Yeah, th- This is a great year for a 12-team playoff, the one we're sitting in right now. Yes. And uh, that that's also, you know, cool that we're we're getting that. But this year, I'm like, man, I would love some of those first-round matchups on campus. Yes. That's the other key here. Th- this season is built for a 12-team playoff. It is. And, and I would add to that point of, you know, the biggest problem with this playoff system is so many blowouts that we've seen in these semifinals championship yep. games too. Yep. had some decent number of blowouts personally. And I'm no apologist for the sec by any means, but I don't care if it's going to be two or three sec teams in the playoff. If we can trade that for having competitive games, I think that's the number one thing that I'm looking for as a, as a fan of the sport, a consumer of the product, I want to see these games just just be competitive. Fight. To- totally agree with you, one hundred percent. And by the way, I'm not a Tennessee fan. I went to Middle Tennessee State. I'm a Blue Raider through and through. I'm I'm one of the few that will sit in the state of Tennessee where I am right now and say that. Um, I I don't mind when they win, but I'm not actively promoting them for the college football playoff. But they're right. without a doubt their resume holds up right now with Georgia. Uh, better than Georgia based on the top 25 opponents that they've knocked off and they just beat Alabama. That's, that's the intriguing part is if they're, if Georgia gets them and Georgia defensively at certain spots like nickel. um, And I I think wide receiver, I think they're better than Alabama. And also I I think they're more poised, quite frankly, I don't think they're going to have 17 penalties in a game point being, I can't wait for that game. Tennessee's got to get past Kentucky as well. But the the resume itself across the Southeastern Conference, and that's why I mentioned Ole Miss, they haven't played anybody yet. They're about to. They're about to go on this back back part of their schedule where they have a chance to prove that they belong. And if they do it, Tyler, wow. Here, I mean, because right now they're leading the West because Alabama lost. And you've got Tennessee meeting Georgia in a couple of weeks, and all these things tend to work out. And I think, you know, I don't know how many upsets we had at this point last year. You, your memory is better than mine. I know that AM beat Bama at this point. Right. But, um, you know, we, we had some craziness at the end that allowed certain teams to get in. I hate the blowouts. 100% with you. I saw week one, Georgia and Oregon. I can't get that out of my mind. I saw right. Utah lose to Florida. That those things should matter early in the season. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the time we look at the recency and how a team's playing now when I like that. That's why I like the NFL. Every game yes. you're looking at it from a massive piece of the standings. But while I like the NFL, we've got more teams in the in the playoff. All right. You're absolutely right about that. Last thing on uh on Tennessee, then we'll move on here. Uh kind of back to the game itself. Afterwards, that that scene of all yeah. the orange, you know, flood in the stadium, the the the, the uh, field storming that we saw. And there was a, a video, an interview you did with Clay Travis in the back of a pickup truck. And <laughs> I saw the cigars being smoked. I mean, th- that felt iconic, just everything that went on. Tell me about those uh, those closing seconds and everything that went on afterwards. It was a classic night. You want the full story? I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, go I'll ahead. Even get, I'll tell you why we are in the pickup truck as well. So um, game ends. We, we stay in the stands. We didn't go on the field. Um, and we just took it in. You know, the, every, like, 
within 30 seconds of that kick being good, there was this waft of cigar smoke, like across the stadium. You could smell like everyone brought one in. They're passing out tailgates. And that, that, that was cool. You, you had people, you had grown men crying. Clay was one of them. And I, you know, I had my phone and I'm, I'm just taking, I, I, I had a video of the kick itself and I'm just watching as people just pour onto the field. And then the three guys I'm with, Withrow, uh, Clay, and our buddy, Alan Bean, who had wonderful seats. Uh, and we were in his seats. He's very gracious. I just pan to them and I've got Chad and Alan hugging. Then Clay comes over the top with them because all of them are massive Tennessee fans. I was so happy for them. And I can see like when Clay got like he like straightened up, I could tell he was he was tearing up. But by I, I turned back around, I didn't focus on him then. And I was just trying to think about how I could bring it up later. And we end up, I don't know, we went to a, a tailgate or two afterwards. And uh, it was roughly two hours later, but we're trying to get an Uber uh, back to where we're staying. And we had to walk aways outside Neyland Stadium. All the cars are going one way. And then there's two lanes on the opposite side of the street where other cars could come in, but they had it blocked off. And there were some officers that told us we were not allowed to get an Uber right there. And I was finally getting service. So all they were like, they say, you got to walk about a mile and a half. That's where this road is blocked off. Well, about that time, this random truck drives down this two-lane road where everyone else is trying to go out. He's coming in, and we're the only three on the sidewalk at this point with the officers at the blockade where you can't get to Neyland Stadium with any cars. Everyone's pouring out, and here's these headlights just coming down. And Clay's like, you know, you should have all these lanes open for everyone to get out easier instead of blocking off two lanes and not using them. And I said, Clay, we're, we're about to use these two lanes because this truck's coming down. They told the guy in the truck he had to do a U-turn and turn around. And I don't know how he got through the, the top blockade. I don't. I never asked him. But Clay just has him roll down his window and goes, hey, uh, I'm Clay. Congratu- you know, here's a cigar, but, but I'll give you $200 to drive us. And he was like, you know what? I'll do it, but you got to sit in the back. And we're like, let's do it. And that's that's how we end up in the back of the pickup truck. And uh, we we started telling stories and uh, someone I, I forgot what sparked the going back to the scene where I knew he was crying, but he was just talking about the uh, that what the memories that he had of this rivalry and what it meant to him and how they were happy they were happy that Tennessee did not storm the field after their win against Florida this year because it made that moment better right that that was the the field storming and so I just picked up the camera and I just hit record and he finished like right around the time you finished story. I was like, Clay, you, you were tearing up there at, at the end. And every, I think they thought like it was going to be some joke. I, I knew he had a good story there. And he told this great, great story about his grandfather and watching the games with him. His grandfather played for general Nealon and um, it ended up being a special night. It, it was, it was really cool. It was authentic. It was real. And, um, it was clay like that's that uh, and, and clay was every fan in, in kneeling that night where you you could feel the emotion with it and and what it meant because and he described it well tyler and this is for any fan base of any sport if you're passionate about something you you go back when you're watching your team play it's like you're watching your team at every age and every stage of your fanhood 
right? Like you can put yourself on, I could put myself in Verville, Tennessee, watching the Tennessee Titans and the Music City Miracle on Sunday, whenever I am uh, covering the Titans and the Colts. Like I, I can look down and physically remember where I was. I don't, I don't have too many memories of other aspects like that, that college football or college sports gives us. And, and that was in that moment, he was literally going back in time to 1990 when Tennessee lost on a kick to right. Alabama. His grandfather uh, told him he shouldn't cry. And, you know, it, it, it was really cool. And if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you to go to OutKick. Thank you for bringing this up. Go to OutKick.com and, and just search it out. It was it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. Uh, last thing on, on the college football side of things, uh, uh, here in uh, here in Texas and just north of Oklahoma, a uh, big topic of discussion this week uh, has come out that Oklahoma and Texas officially will not leave for the SEC until after the 2024 season. The target date that they've said all along, but we all kind of said, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll believe when we see it. There yeah. was a belief here. Everyone thought they were leaving at the end of last year. That didn't happen. End of this year, it's not happening. And still, it's going to be two more years and with the teams from the American coming over as well. From the SEC point of view, does that hold the league back at all by not getting Oklahoma and Texas to, until then? Do you, could there possibly – even be a couple more SEC members that join the league before OU and Texas even do. I mean, that's still a long time before they're officially members here. Yeah. And, you know, with that, so a year earlier is when we'll see USC, UCLA, right? Right. That's still on schedule. Um, the new TV deals will go into effect a year earlier than Texas and Oklahoma based on what Brett Yormark said about the Big 12. It's going to get weird, though, um, within the comp for the Big 12. You know, it's got a, it's got, I mean, to me, to me, it's, it, it's, you know, a, a swan song tour with your two biggest uh, uh, money makers. But what's odd is Texas and Oklahoma are, they're not the most relevant programs in the conference. Right now it's T, uh, TCU and, and Oklahoma State, and it's been that way for a couple seasons now. And Baylor, but, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't view the Big 12 in that lens. I always think of Texas and Oklahoma. So it's smart by them to keep them because you get those teams that are a little down right now, the Sooners and and the Longhorns, and you get your teams like T TCU and Oklahoma State that are playing well, and you, you get packed houses whenever you play. Also, from the SEC's point of view, from like you're saying, I don't think that happens unless – Greg Sankey is, and all the member institutions are cool with it. There is a, that Sankey is not just sitting back waiting on Texas and Oklahoma to get there. He, there, this has been planned out. Um, if they, if they're adding more schools, it's, it's certainly been discussed. Um, and it may not happen before Texas and Oklahoma get here just based on contracts, but there's no way he's sitting back thinking we'll let everyone else expand further and the teams we have right now are the teams that we need for the foreseeable future they're very selective they're in a very good spot um the sec is strong strong the strongest without texas and oklahoma as it is and you know at, some people would point to the big 10 and what kevin warren has done and it, it's been tremendous but 
the the next TV deals that are about to happen with the SEC will surpass anything that we're talking about. We're only going to see more of this. And who knows, maybe maybe another musical chairs happens a year from now. We we were talking USC and UCLA a bit whenever Texas and Oklahoma bolted, and then it died down. And then all of a sudden, around July, bam, there it is, around July 4th. And it's center of the universe again. It'll happen again. I mean, there will be the, the next phase of this is what happens to the ACC. I know Notre Dame has decided to stay independent, but what happens to the ACC and what happens to the Pac-12 and the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma? I, I'm all for everybody getting theirs, but I also uh, respect those who say, you know, it's it's going to end up being this 20 to 24 team conference in the Big Ten and the SEC. I think one day we will see that. And then you basically have a massive hodgepodge of NFL conferences that go for their own national championship in college football. Um, I don't I don't disagree with you if you hate that opinion. But, you know, I, I don't also don't feel like we have to hit the fast forward button. I I'm kind of going to relish in the moments of the conferences as they are while we still have them for a couple of years. And, you know, until the, until we actually expand the playoff, that that's when I'm going to be like, man, Texas and Oklahoma need to be in the sec. Let's go, let's get this moving. And thankfully it's happening the same year. Well, and, and with that playoff expansion, what I find so bizarre, if you're clearly going to have the sec and the big 10 as your superior conferences, Why the hell did those two leagues surrender the rights to have, uh, you know, six conference champs with automatic bids? If you're the Big Ten and the SEC, I mean, you don't need those other conferences as far as I'm concerned. Like, why would you not want to do what it's set up now of, uh, you know, the best best teams? You know, like right now it's the four best teams. Make it all auto bids, the top 12 teams, whatever it may be. Right, but it's real. I think they're viewing it from it's really four automatic bids because they're getting two of them, right? Uh right, yeah, yeah. So they're they're already getting two of the four automatics, and then they're they're saying we'll we'll own the rest too. So it, it's it's there. They will substantially be more SEC and Big Ten teams in that playoff. Like think about it from this angle this year. Um, even with the automatic bids, I mean, I there's only one team from all the other conferences that I I'll sit here today on uh, in, Oct- in mid October and say they're in, you know, like without a doubt. Well, today I could say Clemson and Syracuse um, from the ACC, but I think you get my overriding point here. Right. They're playing this week. One of them is going to lose. Um, there are teams with one loss in the big 10 or the, the SEC that I've seen play better competition, especially in the Southeastern conference. So, you know, I'm not hating on the other conferences, but they got a bargain deal based on the fact they have the automatic qualifiers. The expansion should help them too if they truly believe that they're deeper than one and they're not getting one based on the current setup with four teams in the playoff. So it's, it benefits all, and it's still going to be heavily dominated by the top two conferences. I call it the power two. That yeah. We have a power five, and then we have a power two. And, you know, that's the that's the top tier college football. I don't, I'm I'm all for it right now. Whenever USC and UCLA and, and others, Oregon, prove it um, on a more consistent basis, they, they can sway me. But again, USC and UCLA, they're leaving to go to the Big Ten. 
uh, what's your next trip? Cause you're at a NASCAR race or you're at, you know, the, you know, you're at the shootout. I'm trying to think of the other games I've seen you at. You, I was you at uh, Oklahoma, Kansas last week. Okay. Uh, you're at the championship game. Speaking of the Jayhawks. I I, uh, I, I wish I was at the uh, national championship. I, I watched that from afar, but I did. Uh, oh, you're at a, you're a sports bar. That's right. I was, yeah. Yes. Uh, I was there in spirit. Uh, I, I sadly enough, I'm committing the Cardinal sin this weekend. Uh, I'm, I got to go to a wedding uh, okay. on Saturday. Uh, in well, New- it happens, you know, yeah. it happens. It, should, uh, it doesn't have, thank goodness. It doesn't happen more than it does though. Like once every now and then is okay. I guess you have to bite the bullet. Yeah. Luckily it's not last weekend though. Last weekend. Can you imagine all those great games going off at one time and having to be outside at yeah. a wedding? I've already told my bosses, I said, you know, when, when I get one more win from Kansas, I need off whatever day that is. I don't care where that bowl game is going to be. Might even be right here in, in Dallas, somewhere in Fort Worth or Frisco. But if it's the Bahamas, I don't care. I, I have to be at this Kansas bowl game wherever it's at. I've been waiting too long for this. Man, that's that the game day there was really cool um, watching that. That looked like a really fun scene. And, uh, you know, I – I, I jumped on board the Jayhawks bandwagon too. I, I loved the the storyline of what they were doing because they kept winning. When every week it was kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, that they'll they'll turn into Kansas soon. You know, Duke will get them. You know, right? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, this is this isn't hoops. And um, it was it was. You say one more win. I mean, they're getting one more win. I hope. I mean, uh, we'll see. Just take it one week at a time. Obviously. Okay. But, All right. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think they get at least Texas Tech. Are they yeah. going to keep their coach? I think so. I think Lance Leipold, uh, Kansas has got plenty of money. And he's actually, what I found unique when they announced the stadium project a couple weeks ago to finally renovate that place and the football facility, he has direct say in how they renovate the football facility. Oh, wow. I've never, I've never heard that before from a head coach of, being involved in the construction of saying, here's how I want my facility to be. To me, that kind of said, you know, hey, there's some long-term play here. So, Yeah, uh, it, you just – I hope for your sake that Nebraska doesn't come calling because he makes a ton of sense there. Yeah, I think Wisconsin even makes more sense because that's where he's from. Uh, yeah, but isn't Jim Leonard uh, – I think Jim – it's his job to lose at this point. So uh, we're just spitballing here. I love this. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious on Leipold. Jim Leonard, though, if he doesn't get the Wisconsin gig, he'll be in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done a good job. The, the, the one that, job that really intrigues me is who's going to be the next Auburn head coach when that opens. So, I mean, I mean, so Kiffin would crush it there, but I don't think he has to go there. He right. can win at Ole Miss. That, now, when I say win – he can win 10 games at Ole Miss. You can win a national championship at Auburn. Um, you know, Matt Rule is the smart play for me. There are certain coaches that just win in college. Matt Rule's one of them. He's a great uh, – he'll start from the bottom and quickly fire up a program. Um, did, we, we've seen it multiple times from him. Chip Kelly's another example. I w- I'm not naming him for Auburn. I'm just saying we're seeing it now at UCLA – Right. what he can do, and he was terrible in the pros. Urban Meyer is doing – I don't think Urban Meyer's diving back into the fire anytime soon like that. Um, and uh, there, there's probably one or two more 
at the lower tiered uh, group of five schools, that would make some sense too. But uh, if I'm Auburn, I'm after Matt Rule. The problem is every week I think this is the week that they're going to make a coaching change, and then they play in a you know a tight game and a shootout game, and it's very difficult to make the change. Yeah, that's a great question. See what happens. What about uh, Hugh Freeze? Uh, Hugh Freeze is another one we should mention for Auburn. Oh yeah, that's another that's another one to throw in the mix there. They to me that the Freeze Rule Kiffin dynamic that that fits them. I, I think that's uh, right now they don't have a a sitting it, athletic director. They don't have would, a, a permanent AD. So it would feel it sounds very, like their interim could get it. It would feel very similar to. Uh, the basketball hire they made with Bruce Pearl, if they brought exactly. in uh, Hugh Free, you know, kind of yep. second yep. chance salvage things, you know, type of ordeal. Yep. Uh, Hunt, where can people uh, find you and see uh, everything you're doing, man? Well, first and foremost, join us at, at outkick.com. Uh, we're, I, I write a weekly column on the NFL there, but we have great writers uh, as well covering all sports and, and, and culture, politics, analysis, whatever you want. Um, Outkick 360 is the daily show, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. Uh, we call it the Outkick Network, but it's as simple as going to YouTube and just typing in Outkick 360. And uh, personally, you can follow me at Hutton Outkick and let me know how terrible my opinions were on the NFL and college tonight. And uh, Tyler, I'll be watching you on uh, YouTube as well through Chat Sports. Hey, appreciate it, uh, Hutton. We'll uh, definitely be linking up here soon. Uh, I'll hit you up next time I'm in town. And- We'll uh, be talking. Yeah, thanks for joining us, man. That sounds good, man. Anytime. Thank you.